The Pocket Astronomer with Mark Thompson. In tonight's episode, we'll be exploring the colour of the stars by hunting down the constellations Andromeda, Cepheus and Sagittarius, and we'll be looking towards the centre of our galaxy and testing your eyes to see if you can spot the elusive planet Uranus. The following episode is ideal for listeners in the UK, Northern Europe, Northern USA and Canada during September 2020. You're listening to The Pocket Astronomer, your audio guide to the stars. I'm Mark Thompson and I'm addicted to stargazing. After listening to this podcast, I really hope that you will be too. Each episode, I'll walk you through a series of observations that anyone can make, and you won't need a telescope or binoculars, just your eyes and a sense of adventure. Tonight we're going to be exploring the constellations Andromeda, Cepheus and Sagittarius, locating the centre of our galaxy and hunting down the planet Uranus. Finally, we're moving into the darker months, which means our journey around the sky can start at a rather more civilised time. If you're listening during the first week of September, then you'll need to head outside around 11pm local time. If you're listening around the middle of the month, then aim for 10pm. And near the end of September, you can head outside around 9pm local time. The sky may still have a hint of dusk about it, but it will still be dark enough for our observations. We briefly mentioned the constellation Andromeda last episode because one of its stars is shared with neighbouring Pegasus. In Greek mythology, Andromeda was the wife of Perseus, who can be found to the east of Andromeda in the sky. She was also the daughter of King Cepheus and Queen Cassiopeia, and it seems that the Queen had a rather high opinion of herself. She claimed that she was more beautiful than any of the goddesses, and given that she was mortal, they were outraged. They convinced Poseidon, the god of the sea, to unleash the sea monster Cetus upon them. Cepheus was told that he must sacrifice Andromeda to save his kingdom, so he tied her to a rock and awaited a horrible death from the sea monster. But just as Andromeda was about to be devoured by Cetus, Pegasus, the winged horse, swooped down and rescued her. The stars in Andromeda are all easy enough to find, and the stars of her father, King Cepheus, are also moderately bright. We've already seen that Cepheus was the father of Andromeda and the husband of Cassiopeia, but he was also the mythical king of Ethiopia and died in a rather unfortunate incident. At the wedding of Perseus and Andromeda, Cepheus's brother Phineas claimed that he had been promised Andromeda's hand in marriage. Perseus and Phineas got into a fight over Andromeda and, as Perseus was greatly outnumbered, decided to produce the head of Medusa, rather handy to have that laying around, but unfortunately both Cassiopeia and Cepheus were caught in Medusa's gaze and turned to stone. Leaving the trials and tribulations of the Andromeda and Cepheus family behind, we turn our attention over to Sagittarius, of which there are many myths. The translation of the Latin name Sagittarius means archer, and indeed Sagittarius is usually depicted as an archer with the body of a bull. There are references to this constellation going back as far as 1000 BC to the ancient Babylonians, where they describe it as a warrior and a wild bull with striped thighs. 
the Greeks' representation is probably more aligned to our typical view where it's seen as a centaur and archer. In Greek myths, the archer was Crotus, a fantastic marksman and friend to the muses, the nine goddesses of the arts and sciences. Crotus loved listening to the music of the muses and would often show his joy by stomping his feet. Sagittarius has some great star shapes like the famous teapot, which we'll use later to find the centre of our galaxy, the Milky Way, which lies about 30,000 light years away. And finally, we'll hunt down Uranus in the constellation Aries. It's a fascinating world that often gets overlooked. Unlike the rest of the planets in the solar system, which are more or less orbiting the Sun in an upright orientation like spinning tops, Uranus seems to be rolling around the solar system, and it's thought that at some point in the past, Uranus was struck by a comet which knocked it over onto its side. Before you head outside, here are four important things to remember. Make sure you wrap up warm. Make sure your garden is free from any trip hazards. If you start to feel cold or disorientated, don't be afraid to take a break. You can pause and rewind this guide at any point. When you're ready, we'll begin. Glad you could make it. Now let's get ready to do some stargazing. It's a glorious night where I am, so I hope it is where you are too. First, we need to get our eyes acclimatised to the night sky. You know the drill. Make sure you've turned out any lights in the garden or the house, or if there is others still in there, might be kinder to just close the curtains. Now find yourself a comfortable spot. I like to stand, but you might find it easier to sit down or even lie on the grass. But just watch out for objects before you lie down. Press pause, and when you're ready, I'll be here. Comfortable? Great. Now count to 20 whilst you let your eyes get used to the dark. Five, four, three, two, and one. There. You should now be able to start seeing the sky a bit clearer. Let's find our starting point, and this month we're going to start at Deneb in Cygnus, because it's really easy to find. Just look straight up and find the brightest star, which is about a fist width away from the overhead position. Now look for the brightest star in the sky as well. That's about three fist widths from overhead. That's Vega in Lyra. Now turn to face both of them. They should be in roughly the same direction. Before we start, compare the colour of the two stars, Deneb and Vega. What colours can you see? Well, the two stars are white stars, which means their temperature is just over 9,000 degrees. Great. Now we've found our starting point, we're all ready to make our first observation. The constellation Andromeda. We're going to need to do a bit of star hopping to get from Deneb to Andromeda. And even though it's not the most prominent of the constellations, it's really quite easy to find. 
three fist widths to the lower left of Deneb is a noticeably red star called Sheat in Pegasus. Found it? Good. Now compare the colour of Sheat with Deneb and Vega. The colour of a star tells us how hot it is, with the hottest stars being blue and the cooler stars being red. Sheat is red and 6,000 degrees cooler than Deneb and Vega. Hit pause and take a few moments to compare the star's colours. When you're ready, we'll continue on to Andromeda. Ready? Sheat is the top right star of the Square of Pegasus, a well-known astronomical asterism or pattern of stars. About one fist width below and slightly to the right is Markab. Can you see it? What colour is it? Officially, it's blue-white. Can you spot the blue tinge? Moving another fist width to the lower left of Markab is Algenib. Algenib appears a little bit fainter than the other two stars that we've just seen, yet in reality it's three times more luminous than Shi'at and nine times more luminous than Markab. The reason it looks so faint though is because it's nearly four times further away than those two stars. Look at its colour though and maybe compare it to Shi'at and Markab. It's a blue giant and you can see the colour difference nicely, especially when you compare it to Shi'at, the red star at the upper right corner of the square. Take a few moments to enjoy the different colours, and when you're ready, I'll be here. The stars we've just seen make up three of the stars of the square of Pegasus. The upper left star in the square is Alpharats, and you may remember that we talked about this star last month too. It connects Pegasus together with Andromeda, our first target constellation for tonight. If you're not sure you found it, then you might want to skip backwards in the podcast and star hop around the square of Pegasus again. Already? Now, we've used Pegasus to find the first star in Andromeda, so let's start to explore it. Alpharats is the brightest star in Andromeda that lies 97 light years away. That means it's taken the light from the star 97 years to reach us so you're seeing it as it was 97 years ago. It's a blue-white star and the starting point for exploring the constellation. From Alpharats, just half a fist width to the lower left takes you to Delta Andromedae, a fainter red star. But we're not stopping here. About the same distance again to the left is a brighter red giant star known as Mirac, which is the second brighter star in Andromeda. Have you found it? Take all the time you need, rewinding if that helps. Mirac is about 100 light years further away than Alpharas, and so large that if it were where the sun was, it would swallow up the orbit of Mercury. Take a moment to enjoy Mirac, then we can continue. Now a fist width to the left of Mirac is Almac, 
which is a popular star among amateur stargazers because of the colour of the stars. To the naked eye, you may not see why, other than it being a lovely orange star. But an extra bonus for the listener with a telescope is the fainter companion star, which is Gamma 2 Andromedae, a beautiful blue star, although it has been described as green by some observers. Have you found it yet? Good. The amazing thing is that even though one star can be seen with the naked eye, whilst the other needs a telescope, both stars are at the same distance from Earth, 355 light years to be precise. This is because ALMAC is 2,000 times as luminous as the Sun, whilst Gamma 2 Andromedae is only about 200 times more luminous. It's amazing. Before we leave the Andromeda constellation, let's just hop back to Mirac, the red star between ALMAC and the star at the upper left of the square of Pegasus. We were actually here last month. Can you remember what was just above this star? Half a fist width above Mirac is Mu Andromedae, and the same distance in the same direction is the Andromeda galaxy. You might need to look slightly to one side of this location to see it. It's a technique known as averted vision. It works really well to spot fainter objects. If the moon's bright, then wait a week or so and try again if you're struggling to see it. The Andromeda galaxy is about two and a half million light years away, so you can see it tonight as it was two and a half million years ago. Press pause and take a few moments to see if you can locate it. The constellation Cepheus. Now you know where Andromeda is, look about two fist widths to the upper left and you'll see a great celestial W. This is Cassiopeia. But we're not stopping here. We're star hopping from Andromeda through Cassiopeia and on to Cepheus. As you look at Cassiopeia, you'll be able to clearly see the W shape. Find the two stars at the upper right, join them together and they point to the upper left and towards the constellation of Cepheus. It's only one fist width away, but a little bit fainter than Cassiopeia. Don't worry though, we'll work through it together, but you're looking for a square with a triangle attached to the lower side. Ready? Let's be sure we're looking at the right stars to get started. Find the highest stars in Cassiopeia. Then move two fist widths up and left a little to the brighter star in Cepheus. This is Alderamin. Take a few moments to make sure you found it. Don't worry, if you get stuck, simply rewind and follow my instructions again. Alderamin is a yellow-white star that has a claim to fame. Currently, Polaris is the star that marks the point in the sky which is due north, but the Earth, like a spinning top, wobbles on its axis. That means in just under five and a half thousand years, Alderamin will become the pole star and guide navigators of the future around the globe. Maybe it'll even guide our descendants around the sky. Now move down by just under one fist width to find a fainter blue-white star, which is Beta Cephei. It's a variable star whose brightness varies every 4.6 hours. But we'll come back to what that means and why it's important in a minute. 
one fist width below and a little bit to the right of beta CFI is gamma CFI, and one fist width to the right of beta CFI is iota CFI. But we're not going to spend too long looking at these stars. There's a far more interesting star waiting for us. One fist width above iota CFI and a little bit to the right is delta CFI. Now there are many different types of variable stars in the sky, but one particularly interesting type is known as a Cepheid variable, named after delta CFI. Cepheid variables, like delta CFI, are incredibly useful to astronomers. The time it takes for a Cepheid variable star to change from maximum to minimum brightness allows us to work out their true brightness and thus how far away they are, making them a reliable way of measuring distances to nearby galaxies. Take a few moments to explore the constellation of Cepheus, and when you're ready, we'll move on. The constellation Sagittarius. Finding Sagittarius is really easy this month but you'll need a nice clear horizon. Scan around the horizon in the southwest and look out for the brightest star-like object in the sky. If you're not sure which direction southwest is, then remember which direction the sun sets, and it's just to the left of that. Take a moment to find this bright object near the horizon, which is in the southwest, pausing me if you need to. Don't worry, I'll be in your pocket waiting for you. Found the brightest star? Well, it turns out that's no star. This is the planet Jupiter, the largest planet in the solar system. And this month, it's in the constellation Sagittarius. Find Jupiter and you can find Sagittarius. Jupiter is a stunning object to look at with the naked eye, binoculars, or even a telescope. Even binoculars will show four of its moons and they proved really useful in the late 1600s when Ole Roemer used them to calculate the speed of light. Now you've found Jupiter, less than a fist width below is Acela, otherwise known as Zeta Sagittarii. It's the third brightest star in Sagittarius and it marks the starting point of a well-known group of stars in Sagittarius known as the teapot. If you imagine a teapot handle, where the bottom of the handle attaches to the teapot, that's the position marked by Acela. It's actually a binary star system, but the two stars are too close to each other to be seen with the naked eye. Above a cellar, by just a couple of finger widths, is Tau Sagittarii, and by another couple of finger widths to the right of Tau Sagittarii is Nunci. Take a moment to make sure you've got it. Nunki is the second brightest star in Sagittarius. Compare its colour with the colour of Tau Sagittarii and Acela. What colour do you see? It's a blue-white star which makes it hotter than any of the other stars we've just seen in Sagittarius. As you gaze upon some of the stars in Sagittarius, it's hard to visualise them as blazing stars in their own right. Nunki is a great example of this. It's got a surface temperature of 20,000 degrees and shines 630 times brighter than the sun. 
but it's 228 light years away and far less prominent in the sky. Completing the handle of the teapot is Phi Sagittarii, just two finger widths at arm's length to the lower right of Nunky. It's another blue-white star, but fainter than Nunky. Now that's all we're going to explore in Sagittarius tonight, but take a few moments to enjoy the teapot whilst I go and get ready for our next observation. The centre of our galaxy. It's time to find the centre of our galaxy. The centre of the galaxy isn't actually visible because it's obscured by gigantic galactic dust clouds. But whilst we can't see the centre, we can certainly look in that direction. Relocate Nunky, the brightest star in the handle of the teapot. Remember, it's half a fist width to the lower left of Jupiter and the brightest star in that region of the sky. Got it? Great. To the lower right of Nunky is Phi Sagittarii, and together these stars point towards galactic centre. Follow the line of these stars down towards the horizon, and where they meet, congratulations, you're now looking towards the centre of our galaxy. It is, however, 30,000 light years away, and it's thought to contain a supermassive black hole. Excellent. Now we've located the centre of our galaxy and the likely location of a black hole, let's finish by hunting down another planet. You ready? The planet Uranus. Find Jupiter once more, then turn to face the opposite direction. Press pause. And when you're ready, I'll be here. You should now be facing northeast. Look over to the horizon to find a bright red star-like object about half a fist width above the horizon. This is Mars, and we'll talk about that more next month. It's very easy to be sure that you found it because it looks distinctly red in colour. Once you've found Mars, you can try to locate the planet Uranus. It'll be on the limit of naked eye visibility, but hopefully you've got a dark, clear night with no moon above the horizon. If the moon is visible, then you might want to try again in a week's time. Ready? Just over one fist width to the left of Mars is Uranus. It looks like a fainter blue-white star, only just visible to the naked eye. Can you see it? Uranus is one of the outermost planets in the solar system beyond Jupiter and Saturn. It's 2,883 million kilometers away, which means it takes light 160 minutes to get to us. Uranus is a fascinating world that is classed as an ice giant. One of the interesting things about Uranus relates to the way it orbits the Sun. All of the planets spin on an axis, 
and those axes of rotation are reasonably upright with reference to the Sun. Uranus, on the other hand, is flipped over on its side, and it's believed that Uranus was once knocked over on its side by a comet that struck it millions of years ago. Well done! You've just gazed upon the centre of our galaxy and spotted one of the most distant planets in the solar system. Now I don't know about you, but I'm ready to head indoors for a mug of hot chocolate. Take it easy though, as the bright lights indoors may seem a bit overwhelming to start with. Well done! With just your eyes you found three constellations, the centre of our galaxy and one of the most distant planets visible to the naked eye. That's not bad for an evening stargazing. My favourite part about tonight's observations was definitely hunting down Uranus. For me, finding the cold outposts of our solar system is a real challenge but when you can, it really makes you feel like you're part of the planets we call the solar system. Before we go, there's just enough time to answer a few listeners' questions. Darren from Birmingham asks, what's the most amazing thing that you've seen through a telescope? That's a great question, Darren, and you might think it would be something big and amazing and spectacular, but actually, it was observing an asteroid passing between us and the moon. It reminded me how far we've come to be able to accurately predict the movement of objects around the solar system using mathematics from hundreds of years ago. Rachel from Kendall asks, what was it that got me interested in the night sky? Well, for me, Rachel, like many others, I'm sure, I saw Saturn through a telescope at my local astronomy society, the Norwich Astronomical Society, when I was just 10 years old, and this got me fascinated by the night sky. If you've got any questions you want to ask me, simply email me at mark at thepocketastronomer.com and I might read yours out on the show. Equally, I'd love to receive any pictures of your own observations and the best ones I'll share on our Facebook page at The Pocket Astro. Next episode, we'll be starting to explore the stars of the autumn sky and hunting down the planet Mars. Thanks for joining me on my audio guide to the stars. I can't wait to see you again next month. I'm Mark Thompson. Goodbye. The Pocket Astronomer was a Why Did the Chicken production. It was written and presented by Mark Thompson with help from Lorraine Kelly. The producers were Redsy Bernard and Dan Page. If you enjoyed the show, please do three nice things for us. Subscribe, rate us on iTunes and tell a friend.